0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well rounded, happy, goal crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast and back to my normal voice if you've been tuning in for the past That's week. That's
1: right. My uh, sexy co-host uh, is least, gone. At least her voice is gone or back. I'm not sure. Oh, know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Peter's sleeping on the couch tonight, but anyway.
1: So you had your three-day camp. Three-day? So how three. was that? You survived?
0: Well, I think, uh, you know... So it was three days of uh, endurance run training camp. You can actually read more about it. I posted about it over on consummateathlete.com. dot uh, com. But we did also run before and after it. So technically, it was like a six day running camp, although shorter runs. On yeah, they're more shakeout days. runs yeah.
1: on either side, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, but yes, I went with my friend Karen for the Western States endurance run training camp out in California. You do the last seventy miles of the hundred mile Western States course, right? Uh, and so you don't actually have to be signed up for the race to do the training camp. And honestly, if anyone is thinking about doing an ultra or like just kind of wants to see what it's all about, it was so much fun. So cool. has
1: friends that aren't into the race thing or the dates don't work and and I think they do them for so this is Western States running, but I know Leadville does it and I think uh, Unbound does it. So I think this is something that's more and more common. So maybe is a good event for folks to consider.
0: And honestly, I enjoyed it so much more than I've ever enjoyed a race because everyone is actually just pretty casual and chatting and hanging out and making plans and no one's really stressed about, you know, going to a new place for dinner or something like that, as as opposed to race day where you're pretty dialed in, mm-hmm. buttoned up. So it It was just an absolute blast highly recommend camps like that for anyone although i will say you know it's it is like extreme volume so you do have to be prepared for it right like we were running i
1: said event for most people right yeah Yeah. i mean
0: this was 70 miles over three days so you know we were running 30 like 20 to 30 miles every day Mm -hmm. uh, on trails so it was not for the faint of heart but good you know it was absolutely awesome so well organized um yeah just so much fun uh, and then of course came back had to quickly get over jet lag my first flight since the pandemic which is a little bananas um get over jet lag just in time to jump back on the the mic and do a virtual talk for ontario cycling association uh it's their women's week this week and i was uh lucky enough to be asked to do my my women's comfort chat again i did similar last year and it's always i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it, it it's always well received um, I think it's it's a very important topic that not a lot of people uh, will, will chat about necessarily, but all the all the intimate questions, awkward questions, et cetera.
1: Well, and it strikes me as one of these things that you know, if we want people to enjoy cycling and go, there's these, these topics that, you know, almost these big, like you should be comfortable, you know, it shouldn't be miserable the whole time. So this is where we get into, you know, I call it the cliche of endurance training. Most of it should be easy or low intensity versus the, you know, always smashing as hard as we can or trying to keep up. So I I think this is good work. I think it's well-received because comfort is important.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's why I wrote my book, Saddle Sore. I mean, six years ago now, seven years ago now. That's right.
1: And it's still available. I uh, will we'll put available. the link, of course, in the show notes. It's on Amazon, Saddle Sore by Molly Herford. Yeah. Second a, edition, I second believe. Second edition,
0: yes. yeah. Because uh, we had more questions after the first edition. Well, and you
1: expanded it because it originally was much more female focused, uh, so you did expand it. So there are some stuff around, you know, like prostate, I think is in the second one. And there's a couple different.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the yeah. The second edition, I really wanted to open it up. I mean, it is more geared toward women cyclists, but I mean, we I think ha- that's just
1: because women are smarter and ask the questions. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Men um, are like, yeah, oh, nothing. There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. I'm <laughs> yeah. just going
0: to walk. Walk bow legged <laughs> yeah. for a couple weeks here, uh, but I, I did want to just make sure that every everyone's situation was addressed in there. So right. the new edition does have some some stuff on okay. prostate, etc. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna drop this episode. Is just gonna be a chunk of the talk that I did, just so people can kind of get a sense of it. And you know, this is a talk that I do for bike shops, for bike clubs, for groups. Uh, pretty frequently either in real life or virtually it's been more virtual in the last couple of years obviously and they're so much fun peter's been uh able to be at a couple of them and the crowds get rowdy when always. we have them in real life
1: yeah, yeah it's always good time yep
0: mm-hmm. especially when a shop brings in i'm gonna say it, the box of wine yeah that gets going sure. by the end of the talk it is just like I'll laugh fast and it's it's just so much fun, kind of normalizing all of these issues, and and just kind of bringing a little bit of humor to it too. Um, so I will say uh, this was done on video, so there are a couple times where I'm demonstrating something. So go hear me talk about like, oh, when I'm you know bent over like this, it's going to be different than if I'm tilted up a little bit. But you can kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about pretty pretty easily. Well, and here. no
1: promises, but if the I believe Ontario Cycling will put the their a YouTube version of this in full up, so we could even link to that. It'd be a little back and forth meta but yeah uh, so if yeah. you're
0: if you're curious about what that is we'll put the link to that in the show notes so you can actually go reference what i'm talking about uh, but i think if you ride bikes you'll get an idea of what I'm, I'm trying to get to very good uh, all right well without further ado uh let's get into it if you are interested in doing a shop talk or something like that definitely get in touch just over at consummateathlete.com we have a contact page uh or of course you know check out a copy of saddle store i know a lot of clubs will actually buy a copy of it just for the club and just kind of pass it around to new riders and I find that helps just answer a lot of questions that the new riders might have in a very gentle uh, way that doesn't feel super awkward because they feel like a lot of sorry I'm just going to get on a tangent for two seconds Uh, a lot of the time there's always one person when I do these talks that gets defensive about the underwear with the bike shorts issue for example and I think they're just defensive because they feel like it's targeted at them at the time and they feel the need to defend it. But I think if you just kind of hand them a copy of the book and you don't really give any context, I think that actually smooths it over a little bit and makes it less stressful on them because it it's just less like it's not you Mm -hmm. you're not telling them a thing it's just in this book it's in black and white done Uh, so highly recommend that if you run a club that has a lot of newer cyclists right so all right without further ado let's get into my bike chat with the ontario cycling association enjoy first thing to talk about we are women we are not men we are not barbies Um, obviously we are not men we do not have those parts and we are not Barbies. And by Barbies, I mean, I don't know if any of you remember playing with Barbie dolls when you were kids, but Barbie dolls uh, were just flat, right? Like you took off their their pants to change them and there was nothing there. Uh, As women, we have folds, we have parts. Um, So when we're sitting down on a saddle, it is not just like a Barbie sitting on a saddle there. It's, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So this is just something I always start with: is just you know what works for you isn't going to work for the next person. What works for your husband, boyfriend, brother, whatever, dad, etc., is not necessarily going to work for you. Uh, you know, just because your your boyfriend says this is the saddle that you should get doesn't mean it's actually going to be the right saddle for you. Um, so just keep in mind that we have our own unique individual experiences; they are all different from each other. So what one person says is like the way to do a thing is not necessarily 100% the way that one must do things. Okay, before we get too far south though, I wanna talk about breathing issues on the bike. And this is something that I have now seen with so many women of all ages. Um, I you know, was lucky enough to coach a lot of cycling camps and one of them I was coaching a lot of, a lot of young riders and we were in Spain for a few weeks for this endurance camp. And I started noticing even on day one that a lot of these girls were struggling so hard on hills and they were completely fit, like functioning cyclists, great cyclists, but they were just having the hardest time. So one of them had actually stopped on the hill and I rolled up next to her and, you know, she's just (sighs) struggling so hard to catch her breath, but her breathing is so shallow. And as we're talking through it, I suddenly realized she's wearing, you know, a super tight heart rate strap around her rib cage. She's wearing a super compressive sports bra. She's wearing a tight base layer. She's wearing bib shorts that have a front to them. She's wearing a tight jersey. She's wearing a tight vest over it and wondering why she's struggling to breathe. Um, and this is, I'd say, more, more, Typical with younger girls, because younger women tend to be pretty like into the the size of things. So, you know, you go to Lululemon and you want to get the sports bra in a four, not a six, because heaven forbid. Um, so, you know, we're buying based on the the number instead of on the actual comfort. But oh, my gosh. You know, so we, we unzip the vest, we unzip the jersey just a little bit, and suddenly she can get up the hill without a huge issue. And... I was just amazed at what a difference it made when she could actually expand her ribcage and breathe. And I think we are so used to, uh, uh, how, do, how do I say this, battening down the hatches <laughs> that uh, we end up with these very tight, very compressive fits on our, our tops, on our chests. So when we're on the bike and we're bent over in like a fairly awkward position, we can't really expand our ribcage, expand our lungs to get our breath. So... I've now added this as part of my, my talk. I just think it's so important. Just make sure that when you're on the bike, you are perfectly capable of taking a very full, very deep breath. You know, we also want to be breathing from our bellies, but, and that's, that's another, whole thing. Um, but really just making sure that your rib cage is not being constricted by a super tight sports bra, heart rate monitor, etc. Cycling is such a layer intensive sport with clothing, uh, that I think it's not even necessarily that just the sports bra is tight. It's that everything on top of it is compounding it and compounding it and compounding it until now we're just, you know, these little tightened like shells of ourselves. Um, so just make sure you're, you know, nice and comfortable up top. Cool. All right, now let's get into saddle choice. We have an excellent question about bike fit, which we will definitely get into, um, but the we'll start with the, the first point of connection here. So we have the saddle. This is like our main point of connection with the bike. So it is very important. I should point out the saddle is not for sale. This is like an art installation, um, but I feel like it is a very accurate art installation. <laughs> um, anyway, our bike saddles, first thing first, The saddle that comes on your bike is not the saddle that has to stay on your bike. Uh, And a lot of us fall into the category of people who buy the bike and assume that the saddle on the bike is the right saddle for them. Uh, This is not the case. The saddle that comes on the bike is the saddle that's been picked because it is basically the cheapest saddle that the company could get away with with that particular bike. And it's the most generic size that exists for that bike and generic fit that exists for that bike. So... Uh, You know, it's the most common, it's set to the most common sit bone width, common length, and what the most generally comfortable type of saddle it is. So if it's a cutout or if it's just got like a little dip or if it's completely flat, it's just designed like that's the most popular with that bike. But that doesn't mean it's the best one for that bike. Like far from it. Uh, Definitely doesn't mean it's the best one for you. So when we're thinking about our saddle, the first thing we're thinking about is our saddle width. And this is one of those things that a lot of people don't think about or don't really comprehend. Um, You go into the store and typically you have maybe two or three sizes of saddles. You've got like your small, medium, your medium, large, and your large, extra large. And if you're a bigger person, you're probably like, oh, I'll get the large, extra large. If you're a small person, you're probably like, oh, I'll get the small, no problem. That makes perfect sense. However, your sit bones have absolutely nothing to do with your size. Um, I always say I'm, you know, 5'4", pretty small person. My dad is like six foot, probably like 275, like big, big guy. We have the exact same size sit bones. It's just a measurement of your bones. Men actually tend to have slightly narrower sit bones than women, we tend to have wider sit bones. Does not have any bearing on how big or small you are as a person. It is just a measurement of these bones. So how do you know what sit bone size you have? Well, you go into the store and uh, I just like saying, ask for the assometer, not what it's actually called, but they'll probably know what you're talking about. And it's a gel pad that most shops have. And you sit down on this gel pad and you shake your butt a little bit. And then when you stand up, you actually have two little indentations where your sit bones are and they measure between them. And that measurement is how you know how wide you want the back of your saddle to be. So this is a super important measurement because if your saddle is too wide, so if it's wider than your sit bones, as you pedal, every time you pedal, think about think about that pedaling motion, your sit bones are sliding in just a little bit on each other. Just a tiny bit, just enough to be a little uncomfortable, cause some awkward chafing. If the saddle's too small, if your sit bones are wider, then as you're pedaling away, your sit bones are rocking from side to side, which not only causes chafing, it's actually also causing your very sensitive tissues to be pressing down real hard on that saddle. So we want a saddle width that is just right for us, for our specific sit bones. Your best friend might weigh the same as you, be the same height as you, have the exact same body type as you, still have different sit bones. You might have the same ones, don't know, but definitely worth checking. Don't just assume your sit bone size. Uh, The other thing that can completely change comfort is how long the saddle is. There's no good measure for how long you want your saddle to be. So from like the back of it to the front of the nose, there's no like way to measure or something for that. But the more you try different saddles, the more you'll start to realize which ones feel more comfortable for you. Um, And a lot of it's going to depend on how you sit on the bike, how your pelvis tilts on the bike. Um, really like there's no perfect like oh this is exactly how you sit this is exactly the type of saddle you want to get it's a lot of just trial and error the only thing that we really know for sure is like sit bone width that's sort of your like one line in the sand that's the one thing you start from Um, some women really like men's saddles some men really like women's saddles doesn't totally matter Um, Some people love that cutout, that hole in the saddle, because they find that actually gives them a lot of relief. They don't have as much pressure on their their sensitive tissues down there. Some people, the cutout, actually, because of how everything is positioned, catches things in an uncomfortable way. Some people like the divot. Some people find the divot makes them go numb. Um, You know, it's really, you're just going to have to trial a few saddles before you find what works perfectly for you. And unfortunately, from bike to bike... It could be different. Uh, the saddle that feels really comfortable on the road might not be quite as comfortable on really shaky gravel, or you know, when you're when you're mountain biking and you're standing up more and then sitting down abruptly. Um, so you might need to try different saddles for different bikes. You might find that a saddle that sucked on your road bike is actually great on your mountain bike. So a lot of playing around. Um, you know, give a give a saddle a couple rides before you commit to it. Um, And a lot of bike shops will take saddles back. They have saddle libraries. It's always worth going in and seeing if you can demo a saddle. Um, A lot of the time they are more than happy to, or at like minimum, some of them will have a bike that happens to have that saddle on it, or they can put that saddle on a test bike and you can just take it out and get a sense of whether or not it's like okay or if it's absolutely terrible. (laughs) So saddle choice, it takes a while. And I will also add, so the best saddles I've had have not been the most expensive carbon fiber everything. There's really no matching um, fit and comfort with price point. So don't feel like you need to get the super expensive one. You might find the super expensive one is great, fantastic, but don't feel like oh it's expensive so it must be good. Um, and actually, let's let's kind of touch on this this bike fit because we did get a question about that. Um, Okay, so th- this particular question is tall, long legs, body, arms, so tall person. Uh, women's bikes not for me, so I buy men's bikes, which never fit right either. Oof. Yeah. Uh, bike fit is, um, it's tricky. There's, uh, you know, not like a- an amazing answer that I have for this other than there's a lot of tweaking that can be done within a bike. So if you, you know, get the the bike off the shelf, like I said about the saddle, okay, You know, we can change our saddles. There are also a lot of other things we can change. In addition to just moving the seat up and down and forward and backward, uh, we can also, you know, add some spacers to the headset and bring our headset up a little bit. We can even, you know, get a different cockpit and bring our um, handlebars a little bit further out. Uh, We can change our crank arm length so that our legs, even though the bike stays the same height, our legs actually are traveling like more or less because our crank arms are shorter, or longer. Uh, so there's all of these like small little things that you can tweak on a bike uh, that we tend to kind of gloss over. And most people when they talk about bike fit, are just talking about the saddle and, you know, wanting to make sure that the saddle is at a height that lets you get almost straight leg at the very bottom of the pedal stroke. And, you know, where your knee is, you know, kind of tracking over your big toe when it's Fully, yeah, like three degrees, or sorry, three, at three, (laughs) when you have your feet at three and nine PA, yeah, three and nine, you want your knee to be just a little bit over your ankle. There are sort of these like normal things that we say about saddle height, but we rarely talk about the difference between if you're on a bike and you're sitting like this, or if you're sitting like this, right? Like that's the thing that we can adjust with the handlebars by adding, you know, a different uh, stem to them. And that's gonna completely change how my body is angled. It's gonna completely change the tilt of my pelvis. It's gonna change how I'm pedaling. All of these things are affected just by me rolling a little bit more forward, me rolling up a little bit. If I add a couple spacers, now I'm sitting a bit more upright. So now suddenly I'm actually taking some of the, the weight off of my pelvis, off of my sensitive tissue, uh, and I'm putting a little bit more onto more like the back of my sit bones. And that's also ch- completely changing, again, the way I pedal. My feet are going to be a little bit further forward, and then they would have been if I had been back down. So all of these like little teensy things with our upper body are going to have a huge impact on how our lower body is feeling and, and the level of comfort. Um, so... You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes you might be on the wrong bike, but sometimes it's also just a matter of going and getting a professional bike fit. And I will add, not all fitters are created equal. Um, And unfortunately, getting fit in a studio sometimes feels great in the moment, uh, or you're kind of like gaslit into thinking it feels great. Um, I don't know how many of you have had this happen where you go in for a bike fit and The person is like, oh, I changed this. Doesn't it feel better? And you kind of automatically are like, I guess. Like, you don't really know if it feels better. You don't really feel a difference, but you feel like the guy wants you to say it. (laughs) Um, So getting a bike fit, super helpful, but don't feel like what they say is the be all end all. You can always go back and say, hey, this didn't work right. Like, can we, you know, do another tweak to it? Uh, If the bike fitter you did last time did not nail it totally fine to go to a different one. Often it's better to get a second opinion. Um, okay, uh, what is wrong if I have a lot of pressure on my hands? Okay, great question, um, a couple things. Um, my first thought would be that it's potent- like potentially possible that your saddle is a little bit high and it's causing you to just put a little more pressure forward because you're kind of leaned a bit more forward. Uh, if your saddle height is okay, it could also just be that you're putting a lot of pressure in your hands because you're trying to take some pressure off of your more sensitive tissue. So you're actually like pushing down into the handlebars to try to alleviate some of the pressure that's on that lower region. Um, so those are two sort of somewhat reasons. Uh, the other thing could actually be, and I'm not sure which kind of bike we're talking if we're talking road bike. Um, that tends to also be sometimes the pressure can just be because of your hand position where you have the handlebars set and where you have the the shifters and the the grips. Um, it might be that your grips are tilted up slightly so that your hands are actually at like kind of an awkward angle that's forcing them to be pressed against it. Um, I would be playing around with where my okay road bike perfect. Uh, so I'd be playing around with where those grips are and trying to make it so my hands are a little bit more straight rather than shifted up because sometimes when they're up we're kind of really pressing in uh numbness is hand numbness is a super super common problem but it's one that that just shouldn't be the case um, that's like that's something that we can definitely fix with with bike fit um it could also be that you're stretching so far forward that um you know you're kind of forced to almost like really press on because you're worried like you're almost like falling um so Definitely looking at the how that fits. Um, I'd probably want to see. I kind of need to see a picture to give you any like super good uh, judgment on that. Um. But, uh, you know, getting a bike fit super helpful. Um, and if if numbness is at all part of the equation, also checking if you're wearing gloves, making sure that they're not like digging into your hand, because I've actually had a lot of people say that they realized the gloves that they were wearing actually were what was causing a lot of their, their pressure or numbness issues, uh, just because of the way it was like making them grip the bars or the way it was cutting into them. So they were getting numb hands from that. Um, but yes, numb hands are something that we should definitely work on, um, or a lot of pressure on our hands is something that we should definitely work on, because that means that somewhere down the chain, something else isn't really working. Um, and the last thing that it could possibly be is just uh, a little bit of core strength. Um And again, I I don't, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know you personally or anything. Um, But a lot of the time, when we're having trouble with putting a lot of pressure on our hands, um, part of it is because we're actually just letting our core sort of not do any work. Um, We're we're taking that kind of out of the equation, and then our our arms are forced to do, our hands are forced to like do that Um, but if you think about having that nice firm stomach sort of like you would when you're doing a plank not quite that tight but that general that general vibe (laughs) plank minus like 50 percent you should always have like some effort going on in your core while you're pedaling and that's going to help keep you more upright take some of that pressure off Um, pilates is a great kind of way of exploring that a little bit um i find and plus it's you know just just fantastic in general um and, and yoga. Um, oh, okay. So this is another great bike fit question I just got. You can also go in the Q&A section to ask a question. Um, and this one was just um, with weight gain. Thank you, COVID. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, should I be getting a new bike fit? Fantastic question. Uh, this is also totally the same question applies if you've had weight loss. If you've been pregnant, uh, if you've suddenly taken up yoga or Pilates and have been doing it for like a year and suddenly you're significantly more flexible. Our bodies are not static. Uh, Heck, even if it's just been a few years since you got a bike fit and things just don't feel as comfortable anymore. We change. We are humans. We are changing constantly. Uh, if, If you've gained a little weight and the bike fit still feels fine, then by all means that bike fit is still fantastic. Great. Go ride, be happy. But if suddenly everything's feeling a little bit off, it absolutely could be because with weight gain came some other like side effects, uh, not necessarily like, you know, oh, geez, now I have this like huge belly and I can't like, you know, pedal as well. Although that that did affect my dad's bike fit in the past few years. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and that's the same issue with pregnant women. That's why we have to add spacers so they can be more upright and the belly is not, you know, getting pressed in when they're, they're bent over. Um. A little bit of weight gain, probably not a big thing. Um, but if we're talking about you know, weight gain where you know stuff is starting to chafe a bit more because you know if our if our thighs have gotten a little bigger or you know we we are just kind of like leaning a little more heavily on the the handlebars because we we aren't as as strong as we used to be. Uh, if some of that weight gain is like muscle loss plus some fat gain, you know, absolutely that can affect bike fit. So definitely, it's always a good idea if things are feeling uncomfortable for you know, several rides, uh, it's worth kind of checking in on your bike fit. I mean, you can play with it yourself. Uh, That's another thing. I I mentioned getting a bike fit, but I do think women in particular, we're very nervous about going and getting the, sorry, not going and getting the bike fit. We are all about going and getting the bike fit. We are more than happy to go to someone who's an expert and get them to do a bike fit. We are very tentative when it comes to actually changing the bike stuff on our own. Um, you know, lowering and raising the saddle moving the saddle forward and backward, uh, you know, moving the handlebars, even moving the grips on the handlebars, tilting the handlebars up, all that stuff, we get very tentative when it comes to doing that and I think one of the things I always say in these talks is just like just experiment a little bit but especially even before you go in for a professional bike fit take a week and try a few things on the bike move the seat forward move the seat back you know move it up and down a little bit play with where your handlebars are Um, tilt them around a little bit see what happens and that way at least when you go to get the bike fit you now have this information You know, you can go in and you can capably say like, oh yeah, I've been, you know, I've tried this, I've tried this. It didn't feel right when I did this. It didn't feel right when I did this. Uh, And that way they actually have a lot more information to be working with. So you have, they have like a better starting point and you'll actually get way more bang for your buck. So before you go in for a bike fit, play with it yourself and see, see what happens. Um, I mean, worst case, you just set it back to what it was. Electrical tape is your friend here. Just tape the part where it was, move it around. If you don't like it, move it back. Okay, Um, so that's that. (laughs) Um, All right, Um, real quick. It's chamois time. So, if you have more bike fit questions, please by all means keep them coming. Um, I'm going to duck into talking about my favorite topic, though, which is bike shorts. Uh, So, first of all, um, the chamois, when we talk about chamois, if you're new to cycling, uh, what we're referring to is just bike shorts in general. If someone says, like, oh, I got a new chamois, they just mean they're bike shorts. Um, The chamois itself, though, is actually the padding that's in the bike shorts. Um, And Funny enough, you might think it's there to be padding. So you might be looking for like, ah, the more padded, the better. But the original chamois were actually made with, and I'm not making this up. The shorts were made of wool, like not, not nice soft merino wool. Like you get from Rafa. We're talking like, like wool, like the scratchy sweater your grandmother gave you. Um, and deerskin leather as the pad. So we're not designed to be nice and fluffy and, uh, springy they were designed to fight friction the leather was actually the the chamois part and it was there because it was this material that wouldn't scrape as you moved with it um so unlike the wool um and let me tell you i i got a pair of those shorts off ebay for an article i was working on where i was like trying out wearing like old school cycling kit they are not comfortable would not recommend that but um, we've come a long way and bike shorts are the best thing you can buy um However, uh, a lot of bike shops do not have fantastic women's selection. Thankfully, this is changing. There are a lot of great shops in Ontario that now have decent women's selection. But nonetheless, not every shop is carrying the exact right shorts for you. Uh, We want shorts that fit comfortably. And ideally, uh, if if you're game for it, I am a huge fan of bib shorts. So those are the ones that are like suspenders they're fantastic for many reasons number one being they just don't cut into your gut like regular shorts do i find bike shorts to be one of the most uncomfortable things in the entire universe because anytime you're riding if you think about it you're wearing them they tend to have like really tight waists for some reason beyond me why companies haven't figured that out i guess they don't want them to fall down but nonetheless so you have this tight waist that's then like jamming right into your gut right where you're bending over Uh, So talk about difficult to breathe situations uh, and difficult to digest. If you're doing a long ride in bike shorts, oh, my gosh, is it uncomfortable. So bib shorts are your best friend. And they now have so many. Every company now has a version that you can pee in because that's a very common question. How do I pee in bib shorts? Good news less of an issue now than it was 10 years ago. You do not usually have to take off everything just to take down the bib shorts. A lot of them now have a zip in the back or a pull down in the back so you can just pee and go and it's super easy. So try bib shorts. Um, They do not have to be the most expensive brand. Um, You know, there are plenty of brands that are making shorts for around a hundred bucks that are absolutely great. Um, It's so worth though, if you find a pair of good shorts a get a few of them because they're probably going to change something about them in the next year and you're not going to like the new ones. Unfortunately, this happens all the time in cycling. It's the same with a saddle, by the way. If you love a saddle, get two of them because they will not have the same one available next year. Oh. But with bike shorts, you're better off to have like two pairs of fantastic shorts that are super comfortable and feel great than you are to have 10 pairs of mediocre shorts uh, so you don't have to do laundry as often. Just get the good shorts. Um, the, this is what I mean when I'm talking about bib shorts, by the way, uh, just this nice suspender situation, um, just the most comfortable things in the universe. Um, and when you're looking at fit, what you want is something that doesn't feel like sausage on your legs. So we don't want that like tight rubber gripping our legs and feeling like it's digging in. You want to be able to take a deep breath and not feel as though you can't breathe. Uh, and you know, the, the foam padding part should feel comfortable. Uh, It should not feel like a diaper. And again, this is going to vary from person to person with which shorts feel the best. Um, So, you know, try on multiple pairs, try riding in them, see what happens. Um, There is a difference between men's and women's chamois, by the way. So unfortunately, if there's a guys pair on sale, they might not fit you as comfortably as the women's will. And not just because of like actual fit. The chamois itself is shaped differently because it's trying to protect different parts Easy way to tell if a chamois is men's or women's. A men's chamois, weirdly enough, looks kind of like a vagina, like a drawing of one. Women's shorts tend to actually look more like guy parts. Uh, It's because of where our sit bones are and then the narrow channel that we need in front of them. So, flip the shorts inside out, take a look at what the chamois looks like, laugh about it, it's hilarious. Um, some pairs are more apparent than others Um, but it's it's always a, a good time at the the bike shop usually if i'm doing these talks in real life everyone runs over to the racks and starts like looking through them and it's always hilarious when they realize it um okay with our bike shorts no underwear with bike shorts a um, couple of reasons for that. None of it has to do with a, dis, you know, unsightly panty line or anything like that. We are strictly talking practical reasons. Uh, reason number one: uh, it's it's wedgy inducing. To be totally honest, it's uncomfortable. It's going to cause some chafing. Um, usually, I have at least one person in these talks. It's like I wear underwear all the time and it's fine. Um, it might be for now, but. Without it, you'll be so much happier. Um, you won't have underwear riding up. It won't be chafing. Uh, and frankly, the point of the chamois is actually to be in direct contact with your skin. It has an antimicrobial coat. It is literally designed to trap sweat and bacteria. Like, that's what it's there for. It's there to fight friction. When we add underwear, we are introducing a new component to add friction, right? The underwear is creating friction with our skin and with the shorts. The chamois is designed to be direct on skin to avoid friction as you're pedaling, um, and again, antimicrobial. When we're wearing the underwear, we're completely taking away the point of the chamois, which is trapping that bacteria. Um, and I will get to it in a second, but it is not a great situation uh, when you're sweaty, and you know you bring chamois cream into the mix, or just any any level of sweat, mud, wetness, rain, etc. Um, we really just want to keep everything as clean as possible. Underwear just makes that much more difficult. Um, Not a problem. That's just women. I actually know a lot of guys who started cycling with boxer shorts under their bike shorts, which just seems completely bizarre to me. But it happens. Uh, And again, this is one of those like people just don't get told. Um, There are so many young girls I meet where their, where their, you know, dad got them into bikes, and they just have you know, no idea. And the dad has no clue that the daughter doesn't know not to wear underwear with the bike shorts. Like it just wouldn't occur to them to tell them. Uh, so this is one of those, like pass the information on to a friend. If you know a new rider, let them know. Uh, ooh, cold weather gear is the other question, uh, which feels hilarious to talk about in June. when we're like, yes, finally, it's not freezing, but it's a very important question. Uh, and actually, this is something that uh, I see as, as a bit of an issue in the winter. And as we're talking about no underwear, a lot of people will put tights on under their bike shorts. Reverse the process. Um, we want to think if we're if we don't have long tights, go or if we don't have long bike shorts, go bike shorts under and then pull tights over. I actually just love a fleece-lined either cross-country ski tight or run tight. I'll just pull that over my bike shorts and in most situations, that's totally fine as far as like fat biking or just riding in super cold weather here. If you really want to spend the money, if you're really into riding in cold weather here, there are a lot of brands—Gore, Velocio, Rafa—that make full length, uh, like fully brushed tights, so they're nice and cozy and they're fleece lined and they're so comfy and they're fantastic, but they are pricey. So I always go like I'm a bigger fan of layering. Um, and as far as winter jackets go, again. Ski clothes are fantastic. If you cross-country ski, that stuff is so good on the bike, especially for fat biking, where you're more in the woods and you're not trying to be super aerodynamic. Um, but if you are riding, you know, on the road and you're trying and you don't have cross-country ski stuff, um, a lot of companies are making really nice jackets. But I'm actually a huge fan of just layering things up. So if it's it's a, if it's the winter, I'll wear my shorts, a pair of brush tights over them. I wear, you know, warm, warm wool socks. My shoes. I'll put, I have shoe covers that go over my feet. And then on the top, I have a base. I have sports bra, base layer, and then I'll put on a long sleeve. And it doesn't even have to be a long sleeve jersey. It could be. That's that's helpful if you want the pockets. But I have a couple of just thick merino wool long sleeves that I'll put on over the base layer. And then over that, I'll either add another jersey or I'll actually just go with like a cycling raincoat. <laughs> Um, And I find raincoats, while you do get a little bit sweaty, they tend to be great in pretty much most cold weather conditions. uh, And then they're good for spring and fall. You just take out some of the layers under them. Um, I'm a big fan of not necessarily needing a ton of clothes for the winter. Uh, I much prefer to just keep layering things on and then when it gets warm, start taking them off and packing them away for the summer (laughs) till I'm down to just shorts and short sleeves. Um, You know, it's Cycling's already expensive enough without needing to buy a ton of new expensive gear. So, um, yeah, that's hopefully that helped a little bit with that. Um, and then always trying to cover your, your neck, hopefully covering from pretty much covering your face in the winter in Ontario, to be honest, um, is obviously super, super important. Um, okay. Okay. The other commonly asked question is chamois cream and the when and the how and the why. So chamois cream is just in to help us fight friction a little bit more. So my rule of thumb is if you need chamois cream for every ride, you need to change your shorts, your saddle, or your bike fit. Um, It should not be a thing that you need for rides under, say, 90 minutes, um, unless you're dealing with a bit of like a menopause dryness situation in which case chamois cream can be super helpful kind of dealing with getting through that. But when we're talking about just normal everyday life, menopause accepted, we shouldn't need chamois cream to like go out for an hour spin. Uh, When we do need it though, longer rides, it can be super nice if you have problems with chafing and just general discomfort. Um, We want to put it on the areas that are the most affected. So for women, that tends to be uh, just right on the very inside of our thighs. Uh, sometimes you have a little bit more of like an intimate situation where you have some chafing stuff. Uh, sometimes it's that spot like right under where your your leg and your butt meet. Um, all of those little places where you end up with like red marks or chafe spots after rides, that's where you want chamois cream. So you're much better off to put it on your hand and apply directly to your skin rather than plooping it onto your your bike shorts and then hoping you get it up and into the right place when you put the shorts on. So we want to apply directly to our skin. We don't need to use a lot, a little bit, we're talking like a quarter size amount should cover any area that needs to be covered. Um, if you put on too much, you're going to end up with what I like to call the slip and slide effect in your bike shorts. So every time you pedal you're just going to be like sliding over the saddle which is actually going to be more uncomfortable. Uh, you can always tell when uh, when someone's put on too much chamois cream uh, when you're riding in a group of people because you can suddenly start seeing stuff just sort of like splooshing out from the lines of their, their chamois, like where the pad and the, the regular material meet. So keep an eye out for that. It's always hilarious. Um but we don't need much little goes a long way Uh, and also I sometimes get asked about women's chamois creams the secret is there's not really a difference it's just like they add some lavender essential oil and call it women's Um, if you like the smell better go for it but uh, really no major difference okay next question pad or tampon um had not good see all of the reasons we talked about for no underwear uh same same situation same issue plus just super uncomfortable if it starts moving around which it will when you get sweaty those do not stick very well to chamois trust me been there done that um tampon is is our best bet or a diva cup if that's uh if that's something you're into. um diva cup menstrual cup whatever whatever it's called up here um <laughs> Uh, Those are those are absolutely great. Tampons are great. The one the one thing with tampons quickly is that you want to make sure that the string is tucked up and away. Um, Sometimes I've heard uh, I've heard women with issues um, from the the string sort of being in in the wrong place and just kind of causing some chafing problems. Uh, Weird, but let's let's try to avoid that one. It's just just up and out of the way. that's my word on that Um, and like I said before experiment adjust you know you you have the right to be comfortable on your bike it is important to be comfortable on your bike and we can take some of the responsibility on ourselves and actually keep trying and testing these little things you know try your next ride with a saddle that you borrow from a friend to see if it works for you you know try moving where your brake levers are try raising your seat or dropping your seat Um, give these things a try assess you know adjust again you might need to adjust a few times. And again, worst case scenario, you at least now have all of the information that you can then take to a professional bike fit and say, I've tried these things and they didn't work. Standing up is the other amazing way to keep ourselves much more comfortable on the bike. And um, if you are someone who came to cycling, especially you know, in the past two years with a lot of riding on Zwift on your trainer, uh, this is probably something that you haven't done a lot of. Uh, most people think of standing up as a thing that you have to do when you're climbing a hill or you're trying to sprint somebody. But standing up regularly, like every few minutes on the bike, is not just great for you know putting out more power. It's also fantastic for your comfort. Think about it. When you stand up, first of all, you're increasing blood flow. So if you have any issues with numbness, whether we're talking about numbness in our lady or numbness in our hands, standing up completely changes the way we're sitting. It lets blood flow get back into those parts. So we're addressing numbness. We're also, as we sit sit back down, we're just naturally not sitting back down in the exact same place, right? We're sitting back down with these little tiny micro adjustments. We've maybe shifted a millimeter to our left or to our right or back or forward. Either way, we're just not sitting down the exact same way we stood up, which means that those tissues that were starting to get a little bit chafy, or you know, a, maybe like a saddle sore cut or something is starting to form, you're not sitting right back down on that part. So you're, you've readjusted, so you're actually going to avoid having that chafing issue in that exact spot. So it is just the most helpful thing you can do. It just takes a couple of pedal strokes, just every few minutes. Um, I know a lot of people now are setting timers on their computers to like warn them when they need to take a snack. I also have one set to tell me when to stand. So every five minutes I'm up and standing. Same applies for if you're on your trainer, your mountain bike, your gravel bike, your road bike, even your TT bike, you can at least, even if you're not gonna get out of our aero position on your TT bike, you can at least just lift your butt up like half an inch or even just unweight it. You don't even have to fully stand up. Just lift some of the weight off of it, right? Like I am not standing up as I do this. I'm just shifting. Um, after I ride, take off your shorts especially if it's a group ride where you're like driving home for like an hour you do not want to be in those sweaty shorts I know it's so tempting I'm so guilty of this to come home and like you know first you you know you go in the fridge you maybe have a couple bites of something you maybe start your food then you check your phone now you're in your emails and now you know, you got, oh, I got to answer this text. I got to check this Instagram. I got to answer this email. And the next thing you know, you're sitting in your sweaty kit for like two hours. This is how we end up with saddle sores. Um, basically, the more time we're spending in our kit, the more time we're spending in this microbiome that's now attached to us. Um, I, a few years back, I had a bio student uh, do an experiment for me where he you know, did a scraping of a chamois after a ride and put it in a Petri dish and just left it under like a warm lamp. And like, timed how it looked oh my gosh it's an ecosystem you do not want that especially especially if you have been sweating a lot if you've you know been through mud on the ride if you've used chamois cream uh, if you have your period any of those things we're just adding more fuel to this fire so if you're prone to UTIs if you're prone to saddle sores just get out of your shorts and get clean Uh, You know, this can be a quick wipe if you're in a parking lot. Um, I'm a big fan of just like throwing on a maxi dress and like using a baby wipe and we're good to go. Um, If you're home, shower. We don't need any fancy soap, just plain old soap. We don't need anything too aggressive, but just getting getting nice and clean. So, so helpful for preventing saddle sores. Um, And on the note of saddle sores, saddle sores, skin issues, rashes, ooh, Um, these are sort of our common, like I've been on the bike for a few hours and now, you know, I'm having this saddle sore and saddle sores. We're just talking about basically like small pimples, small boils, um, basically just little spots that hurt when you press them. They're usually red. They're usually raised. Um, the good news is when you have a saddle sore, if you just leave it alone, keep the area cool and dry and clean and just take a couple days off the bike, they'll usually go down on their own what we don't want to do is ignore one and keep riding. You know, if it gets infected, you're now off the bike for a month. So let's, let's just take the day off and let them, let them heal themselves. Your body is good at doing that. It wants to do that. Just let it clean, aerated, cool. You're good. Um, skin issues like rashes. Um, you know, part of it comes down to that bike fit, that friction, that chafing. Another part of it comes down to our laundry. Um, cycling is an interesting sport. It's the only sport I can think of, um, other than I guess maybe swimming, because in swimming we're in the chlorine and immersed in it the whole time. But cycling, you are in close contact with your with your shorts, right? Like we're pressing into our shorts. We're pedaling and our thighs are rubbing our saddle and our shorts are just getting pressed into our skin and we're sweating. This creates a very intimate relationship with your shorts like you have in no other sport. Um, And because of that, if you happen to be someone with sensitive skin, you know, no matter how clean your shorts are, your laundry detergent might actually be a bit of your issue, which is why I always talk about laundry in these talks, which sounds really weird, but, A lot of the time, um, you know, someone who can get by with regular detergent for everyday life actually is miserable on the bike and is just getting these horrible rashes on their thighs or on their butts because their laundry detergent is, you know, super scented, has dyes in it, Um, just all of these little skin irritants. Um, So if you are someone who's prone to irritation that feels a lot like prickly heat, heat rash kind of thing, um, try just switching to a detergent that's unscented and dye free it may make a world of difference. Um, it's it's incredible how big of a change that's, that's made for a few people I know, and I'll include myself in that group. Um, I now use unscented undi- or dye-free detergent. I double rinse my shorts. I double rinse everything just to get it all out because I don't know if anyone's been on a ride with a, a group and it started raining, and you can tell who like added maybe a little too much detergent to their laundry because their clothes just start sudsing. So you get bubbles coming out of their butt. It's it's a really good look. Uh, look for it next time you're out in the rain with a group. Um, almost always, there's at least someone in the group that has that happen. So we want to double rinse. We want our dye-free detergent. Um, and to be honest, I have reviewed. I think almost every brand of shorts and jerseys that exist right now Um, every popular brand for sure and i will tell you that i have put every single pair of bib shorts i've ever owned through the dryer and i have not lost a single pair of bib shorts because of it or felt like i've you know cut the life of my shorts short because of it so i honestly say go for it in the dryer the nice thing with the dryer is that heat actually helps kill any extra bacteria that didn't come out especially if you wash on like cool cool or even just warm water and you don't use hot water that extra heat in the dryer is going to be super helpful if you do line dry them though dry them out in the sunshine even just for a few minutes even if it's not the entire time uh, because that uv light is going to help kill the rest of the bacteria what we really want to do is just kill that bacteria we want to make sure our chamois are actually dry if your dryer is like a little iffy make sure that those chamois get dry the worst thing you can do is put on like a warm damp chamois you're just starting from like petri dish territory already uh that's just where you're gonna have so many more irritations and potential for for saddle sores um and last last thing about laundry now i've lost my train of thought um just don't be afraid to to actually to treat your kit like normal normal wash it can go in the laundry it's fine when we do wash our shorts though this is the last thing we want to wash them inside out i know when it's muddy out it's really tempting to wash them you know obviously with the muddy side facing you Uh, if you are muddy rinse them off in the shower or rinse them off with the hose but then turn those suckers inside out when you put them in the laundry especially if you don't have a great washing machine Um, because a lot of times if we wash them when they're not inside out the chamois just gets smushed together uh, and then it spins around with all the other clothes in there. And the chamois never actually gets clean. Um, so always take a look at your chamois when you're you're done with the laundry. And just see, does it actually look like it's clean? Does it smell like it's clean? Because uh, we really don't want to start with that part of our kit dirty. All right. And... Last thing, quick word on honesty. I sort of said this when I was talking about bike fit and telling the bike fitter when something doesn't feel comfortable, even if they're telling you, this must feel more comfortable, right? We want to be honest at all times. Uh, When we're at the bike shop and we're trying out the new shorts or we're trying the new bike... I like, I know right now it's so hard to find bikes in general, so it's hard to be like, ah, this doesn't, this bike doesn't seem like it's for me. But if you're on the bike, if you're demoing it and it doesn't feel good, don't feel obligated to buy it. The same is true when you're trying on shorts or jerseys or any of that stuff. If you try it and it doesn't feel good, you don't need to buy it. It is so much better to just be honest and say, this is not for me than to go off and be uncomfortable. Uh, Same is true, being honest with your coach about if something is not super comfortable. Um, You know, one thing, my husband, who's a cycling coach, uh, the past few years, he's had a lot of talks about periods and menopause with the women he coaches. And, you know, the conversation is, is really just that that's helpful information for him when it comes to actually programming. You know, if you're going through menopause, like there's different things that he's going to be doing. If you have like vicious cramps during your period, that's going to change how he's going to structure your training. Um, so if you are working with a coach, telling them that stuff is so helpful for them and so helpful for you. Um, and then last thing is with your with your doctor. You know, again, this is coming back to, to women who are hitting that menopause stage, letting, letting a doctor know if you're having dryness issues that are, you know, making the bike really difficult, or you know, if you're younger and you lose your period and you, you know, you're training 20 hours a week, that is something your doctor should definitely know about. Same with your coach. Um, so really, just making sure that we're sharing this information. I know sometimes women, in particular, I I feel this way myself. We struggle to see ourselves as athletes. You know, whether we ride five hours, whether we ride, you know, two hours a week, or we ride 20 hours a week. We are still athletes who deserve to have a nice, comfortable, happy ride, um, and a lot of the time we almost like Never. shoot ourselves in the foot because we're we're just trying so hard to you know, not bother a coach, not bother a doctor, not annoy the guy in the bike shop, but we really need to advocate for ourselves. So I realize this is like a very odd talk to suddenly go into like, we need to advocate for ourselves as women, but that's where I'm going to end it because I think that's just so, so important. And that's like such a huge part of what makes us find that comfort on the bike. So advocate for yourself. It will do a world of good. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.